All right. Hey, Legend. Uh, welcome to the New Story Podcast. My name is Shrek, and I get to host legends from all over the planet just talking about our spearfishing life lifestyles. Today, it's it's chat GPT. What is it? It's AI. It's this new technology. Uh, it's bursting out. It's been hugely adopted in uh, in its early uh, sort of arrival, and it's taken over. It's going crazy. And we sort of study and talk about some of the impacts it might have on spearfishing. I actually asked ChatGPT what the 10, 10 biggest ethical concerns are with spearfishing, and I get into the weeds with two fantastic blokes. We've got Trevor Ketchian from Submerged Psycho Spearfishing and James Sacker from Catch It, Grow It, Cook It. Both of these guys have got awesome YouTube channels, uh, fantastic blokes, and at times, I'm going to be honest, this conversation is a little bit down. I don't know why I chose to pick on this particular topic, the 10 biggest ethical concerns with spearfishing, but the boys cover it in a pretty uh, good way. We don't uh, merely present one side of the argument and we're, yeah, it's, it's an interesting chat anyway. But before we get there, uh, a couple of quick shout outs. This month, we're wrapping up a massive 99 Spirit Recipes campaign. If you go to noobspirit.com, there are a couple of fantastic recipes up in our blog there. Check it out. Uh, it's a great way to whet your appetite into what you're in for if you get a copy of 99 Spirit Recipes. If you want a copy, it should be in your local spearfishing retail shop. You can also get it on noobspirit.com. I've recently updated and upgraded the international shipping options. I had some issues with it. The book is also available on Amazon. Wherever you are, that can be a fantastic way because Amazon seemed to get um, shipping prices that the rest of us are not privy to. So check that out. Um, Guy has left me a voice message. If you go to noobspirit.com up into the menu there, you can find Noob's story section. You can leave a voice message here, share your stories, lessons learned, what you love about the podcast, a new bit of kit that you're loving, whatever you like, go to noobspirit.com, leave me a voice message just like Guy did. Have a listen to his. Yeah, hi, Shrek. It's a guy here from Jersey and the Channel Islands in the UK. Um, thanks for the message. Uh, so current challenges of the weather, we've had a really rough rough winter in the UK. Basically had storms from about October. The season was sort of meant to start in March and we just had storms all the way through. So it's, it's quite frustrating because you know the fish are out there. You just you can't get in because we mostly do shore diving here. So conditions have to be a little more ideal than they are right now. I think all the knowledge that's inside these podcasts is just incredible. It's priceless. Like the guy from uh, Rio, Francisco, you could hear, you could hear his, uh, his knowledge and what he'd gained after, I don't know how many years he's been diving, you know, diving with the small guns and uh, not the massive rollers, taking good shots. Yeah. So it's just about the knowledge basically feedback oh, i think keep doing what you're doing um it's nice just to have something to listen to as we go through our our long off season uh got a lesson learned try and try and be a little bit disinterested underwater try and be an observer uh, that that uh that energy is obviously gives off fish can feel that and then you got to switch to hunter really quickly when you want to take a shot i find that tends to work quite well um, yeah, cheers. Thanks, Guy, for that voice message, by the way. In other news, though, we've got the Palapas Ventana Blue Water World Cup. This is a comp 
unlike anything else on the planet. It's being run from July 1st to the 5th, 2023. There's three competition days. It's timed around the full moon, which is on the 3rd. Uh, all, all your meals are covered. There's tons of swag, 2500 in potential prize money. Uh, you can bring your spouse or non-diving friends for a discounted rate. Uh, the dive days are magic. It's t- a bunch of boats blasting out for different locations, all with a captain who has local knowledge and his own treasure trove of secret spots. And they love putting people on the fish. Uh, guys, this is a magic comp. Check it out. Um, the Palapas Blue Water World Cup. Go and get get amongst it. I really want to get over there and do it one year. I remember my interview with Tim a little while ago. Um, but check check that sucker out. So if you go to noobspirit.com, subscribe to the Floater email newsletter. Uh, Jake sent me an email. He said, thanks, Shrek. Best email I have received in ages. The cartoon had me in stitches. Thanks for sharing the stoke. Stay actionable. Love that, Jake. So go to noobspirit.com, sign up for the floater. At the moment, we have this uh, awesome survey out where you can get a bunch of surveys, but we want to learn more about you, uh, what your struggles and obstacles are, what you love about the spearfishing lifestyle, and that will help us to determine what info to produce and send out to you guys to help you in your spearfishing journey. Hey, massive intro today, but I appreciate you sticking with me. Let's get into it. Chat GPT, Trevor Ketchin, James Sacker. Here we go. Adreno stocks equipment for noobers. The gear you need for all things freediving and spearfishing. The Adreno spearfishing team froth on helping customers learn about the latest in spearfishing equipment, local diving, upcoming trips and events for spearos of all levels of experience. There's no ego in there. You're going to meet cool people that love this spearing lifestyle as much as you do. Visit them in store in one of their huge mega stores around Australia. Chat to one of their friendly team members. Take advantage of the Noob Spiro discount code. Save $20 on every purchase over $200 in store, online, easy savings. Pump in the code Noob Spiro if you're shopping online or in store. Mention it's one of their friendly team members and save $20 over $200. That's right, use the code Noob Spiro in store. Shop with Adreno, our partner for more than 200 episodes. I was left with an empty cooler after missing and wounding a bunch of fish with a shoddy spear gun. A work colleague urged me to speak to Naptonics. And I'm so glad I did. Without Jerry and the Neptonics team, I would have kept missing bulk fish and coming home to my wife empty-handed. Now I can focus on slaying monster hogs and groper and covering the deck of my boat in blood. Never buy a shitty piece of equipment again. Shop Neptonics.com, use the code NOOB10 to save 10% and go spearing with confidence. Jerry says if we sell it, we believe in it, we trust it and dive it. ShopNiptonics.com, free shipping for the lower 48 for orders over $199. And you can save 10% when you use the code NOOB10, N-O-O-B-1-0 at Neptonics.com. Hoorah! All right, g'day, neighbors. We're straight into it today. I'm surrounded by a couple of legends. They haven't met each other before. Um, it's Trevor Kachal Kachal Kitchen and... Uh, James Sacker J, the telemarketer from uh, near Kofsaba. Mumbai. <laughs> uh, I've invited you blokes here to chat about something real interesting. It's chat GPT and the, sort of the implications for the spearfishing world. I thought we could broaden the conversation out and uh, look at a few different aspects of it. Trevor, as usual, brings his um, brilliant technical expertise. He's a real early adopter with technology. 
informed me quickly that he knew nothing about ChatGPT. Boys, give us a, a quick hello and uh, and what you know about ChatGPT. Uh, who would you like to go first? Trevor. Okay. Well, hello. My name is Trevor. Um, I am a recovering, uh, recovering technological useless person. Um, about my uh, limit of what I understand of chat GDP or GPT, G, that answers the question right there. That's about as much as I know about it. Okay. Uh, I'm James Sacker. We have discovered fire, which is what we cook our food on here. But, um, yes, we also have used chat GPT as in how do you start a fire? And apparently... Yeah, it's helpful. <laughs> Both of these fellas have fantastic YouTube channels. Um, Trevor Ketchin is the uh, legend behind Submerged Psycho Spearfishing on YouTube. James has uh, the aptly named Catch It, Grow It, Cook It. He's very much a guy that likes eating what he catches, growing stuff. And you live in an awesome part of the world for it as well, James. I do, mate. Before you go any further... Anyone who hasn't watched Trevor's epic day at Red Rocks is missing something in their spearfishing life because it is the best, without question, the best Red Emperor footage and the commentary to go with it, plus the dinosaur puppet that Trevor employs so well. But the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the incredible footage of it is uh, anyone, you, you just have to watch it. Epic day at Red Rocks, submerged psychos do not miss this or your life will be less worthwhile. Thank you very much. I'll pass that along to the dinosaur puppet. <laughs> we've almost got seven personalities here on this interview. It's, it's awkward. <laughs> Plus, we've got... <laughs> we've what got about a couple your of, personalities? I thought you were just talking about mine. <laughs> yeah, just, that, that was it. Yeah, and then Trevor and his puppet and then just me. Let's so just say Sigmund Freud would have a uh, very fun time listening to this conversation. <laughs> I also got had the pleasure of inviting a couple of patrons along, um, and a couple of them are here with us. We're going to jump on with them at the end and get them involved in a bit of a, a broader um, sort of Q&A, and these boys will get to pester you, uh, James, and, and Trevor with some questions as well. Um, that, and, that, and that's awesome to have these guys along. Um, so ChatGPT is an AI service. that's re It's becoming really widely adopted really quickly. Um, people are using it um, as much or more than Google in some instances, and there's massive use cases for it. Like I recently used it to help me write a whole bunch of stuff for the website, and um, but some of the information, particularly in our space, is not not a hundred percent accurate, as you sort of discovered, James. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I look. I thought I'd do an interesting test, and I, I put Chat GPT up against Google for um, you know Google being the uh, go-to before. AI was available, and it was very interesting to see the difference in what you got from ChatGPT to Google. I've got to say, like I think in the main part, um, ChatGPT was pretty good, but very basic, and it doesn't give you the links. So when you Google something, um, apart from being advertised a shit ton of stuff to buy, um, it does take you to a lot of links of um, people that are pretty good that can you know steer you down the a pretty good path for spearfishing. Um, but chat GPT, you, you do need to be very careful. You can't take it as 100% any more than you can take Google as 100% accurate. But uh, I, I guess at least if you're Googling something, um, you can look at the source that it's coming from, say, Adreno spearfishing. Um, you know, it's pretty wild. And 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 the Noob Spearow surprisingly gets a huge run on Google. 
Um, it, it depends not on surprisingly, you. but it does it does get a huge run on Google, which is a testament to the amount of information that you put out there. Whereas ChatGPT, um, it doesn't seem to recognise base um, sources of where information comes from. It just gives you a rehash version of Wikipedia. a bit of stuff that's cobbled together. Yeah, right. Okay, cool. What did you, what specifically did you ask it? Um, well, we have a whole list of questions uh, which I had there. So I asked them if is spearfishing safe. So a chat GPT. I won't read it word for word, but spearfishing can be safe if the proper precautions are taken, necessary skills and equipment. Um, you need to have a good understanding of the local conditions and potential hazards, and it had pretty good um, thing. Training and certification can help. Um, and to use the right equipment, and um, overall, it can be a fun and rewarding activity, but prioritise safety. So that was um, that's that's ChatGPT. Google um, went straight into your free dive spearfishing risks on Noob Spearo. That was the first response to come up and talked about shallow water blackout and things like that. So the ChatGPT was a very basic answer, um, whereas uh, Google led you really into a lot more um, details. But the next one after your Noobs Bureau from, from Google was six tips for spearfishing safety from Adreno and then spearfishing.com.au also had um, some some good stuff. So, um, yeah, ChatGPT gave you a very, very rough outline. If you had no idea about spearfishing, um, it might be a good introduction. But if you really wanted to get into the nitty-gritty, you'd go through the Google links. Okay, cool. I actually got a um, a listener inquiry, and he um, I'll read you out what he said. Jason says, "Hey Shrek, hope you're well. I've been on a dry spell for some time now, about four months. However, I've just bought myself a, a sick Kiwi Stabycraft six by uh, six five nine. He goes on to say he's, he's based in Rocky, and he's bought a couple of stuff from New Spear, and he's loving it. But he raised an interesting point. He said, "I just thought you'd flick a line for possibly a talking point on the podcast, being Chat GPT. I'm not sure if you've used it or had." Other listeners send you emails about it, but I've been playing around and ChatGPT does seem to answer most questions regarding spearfishing and freediving. I'm no gun at either. Um, he says, in fact, I'm about as handy as a blind person spearing. So looking at the responses, I can't quite tell if they are 100% right or not. I feel if they are right, it could be great for noobers. However, if they are incorrect, it could also be dangerous. There is so much you can explore and ask on there that you can literally waste hours. As an example below, I asked what the best breathe-up technique was for freediving. I was really surprised to see it tell me to hyperventilate when I've only really heard the opposite from what I've read and from the freedive course I did up here. Um, so here's a bit of a – he pasted in sort of ChatGPT's response. It says, um, um, proper breathing techniques are essential for freediving as they can help you maximise your lung capacity and increase your dive time. Here's how you can best breathe up before a free dive. Number one, relax. Before starting your breathing exercises, it's essential to be calm and relaxed. Great advice. Love it. Number two, diaphragmatic breathing. Breathe deeply through your nose and then exhale through your mouth. Make sure your breaths are slow and steady and focus on using your diaphragm to fill your lungs. So straight away they went wrong. We're using a snorkel and um, I think – we get an overly technical. I, I use one of those full face masks with a snorkel that comes straight up over your forehead, so you actually can breathe in through your nose with that your, one. Your sound's just, just just throwing it out there. Your sound went to crap there. Did you do something with your mic? No, 
Oh. Uh, even the microphone hates full face snorkels. It's okay. Fine. <laughs> yeah, the full face snorkel mask, you know. Anyway, Chat GPT gets it further wrong and, and, and it says number three, purge breath. After a few diaphragmatic breaths, take a deep breath in and exhale forcefully, completely emptying your lungs. This is known as a purge breath and helps to remove any stale air from your lungs. And then number four, hyperventilation. Take a series of quick, shallow breaths in brackets. 20 to 30 to lower the CO2 levels in your blood. However, be careful not to overdo it as excessive hyperventilation can lead to shallow water blackout. I'm not sure if 20 to 30 quick shallow breaths would uh, count uh, as overdoing it, but... um, I'm not going to lie. If you did 20 to 30 quick shallow breaths out of the water, you'd probably pass out. Yeah, terrible advice. Yeah. And it's then, interesting that you say that because I asked Chat GPT, is hyperventilating dangerous when spearfishing? And it says, yes, hyperventilating can be dangerous when spearfishing. Um, it's a breathing technique that involves taking quick, deep breaths before holding your breath, which can cause a decrease in the level of carbon dioxide in your bloodstream, mm. make you feel like you can hold your breath longer, but it can also lead to shallow water blackout, a loss, loss of consciousness caused by lack of oxygen to the brain and then it had another um paragraph about it so it's it, i guess if you have a red flag with something that you've read in chat gpt you could ask it the question but you need to actually get that red flag in your mind to ask the right question i think you're right and i like how you sort of said like it's the same as google in the early days when you asked the questions the the reliability of the information wasn't necessarily there and obviously they'll fine-tune their process over time and you know, Chat GPT four is out now, and I believe we're still playing with a prototype version, which is uh, not as intelligent as the more recent version. But um, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. But some of the information is like um, Jason sort of identified; it's a little bit concerning. Absolutely, I think with um, Chat GPT is that it gets feedback from the people using it, so. People that are experienced and are using it can provide valuable feedback to ChatGPT to actually improve its information, um, which is something you don't have with Google. Mm-hmm. Um, just to play devil's advocate for a sec, how does this work? So uh, artificial <laughs> intelligence, basically they've, they've developed a program that's, that has a level of, of comprehension and understanding. It's able to analyse all of the information that's ever been on the internet ever and distill it using its own form of intelligence. But 90% of the internet's crap. Yes, and this is part of the problem. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then the other part of it is too is like some of the search engines, even Google, have become quite ideological with what um, things get ranked and shown, you know. So you, you're going to get a version of the truth that's come through these gatekeepers that may or may not share a similar worldview to you. And um, how... How websites get ranked on Google is, is a really interesting thing as well. And I guess the hierarchy of, you know, authority with regards to information about spearfishing, how chat GPT discerns that is, is, is I, I, I wouldn't even like speculate. I have no idea. Terrifying. Yeah, well, I think, um, I think the, the, the idea of it is that they're picking up conversations from the, uh, from the internet and uh, filtering it somehow, some kind of algorithm that I'm not familiar with, and trying to distill from that an accurate or reasonably accurate answer. Mm. And um, I guess it can be driven 
one way or another by the people that are putting the information out. Yeah, it's able to make its own rational decisions though and the more it grows and the more it's been developed and worked, the more it's able to think and make better decisions for itself just like a normal a normal person or a normal form of intelligence. Mm. And there's lots of concerns about, you know, AI, you know, the Skynet thing, like Trevor joked around with me straight away, like, so we're going to chat about Skynet. And, uh, you know, that was his immediate response. And, like, if you've seen Terminator or, or The Matrix or any of these kind of um, films yeah. where the machines take over, I mean, AI is pretty scary. Yes, I guess I, I guess so. I'm just looking at the wind, at the moment. We've got no chemtrails over our house, so we can probably talk about this. So, Sakajay, it sounds like you've gone back underwater in India. Can you go again? Uh, yeah, I was just uh, just mentioning the chemtrails over over my house. Uh -oh. I, I might need to put the tin foil hat back on. See, you're, you're bad. Are you AI struggling to hear me? Breaks the internet. We broke the internet. We can't even hear you properly, James. No, I can go get my hammer. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is how I fix technological problems. Is we'll come back to you, James. Hopefully, your audio problems will, will be resolved. I asked ChatGPT this question, and I I was actually thinking about it before Jason um, sent me that email. But then he prompted me to think, "Hey, we better do an episode about this and have a bit of a bit of a think and a bit of a powwow." Um, I asked ChatGPT this question, and and I wanted to represent people that are not, uh, they don't necessarily share our obsession with the spearfishing lifestyle. Um, what are the ten biggest ethical concerns about spearfishing? And this is what ChatGPT said: Number one, overfishing. Spearfishing can lead to overfishing, which can cause damage to the marine ecosystem and disrupt the balance of the underwater environment. Trevor, I'd love to welcome your response. Uh, technically speaking, I assume it could, but that also comes down to the individuals involved. Um, it, it, like everything, and everything has so many layers of grey in it, it's hard to give a definitive answer. Um, but that is a yes and a no. Um, if a spearfishing person, I should be careful, is doing the right thing and looking after their rocks and making sure to leave enough biomass to use the the interwebs and the scientific people's terms, that their rock can continue to can get more fish onto it, then it can last for a very long time. Uh, if you go there and catch everything down to the bait, then, yes, you could do some damage. Yeah. It's interesting because on a local level, Trevor, like, you know, one of the things you love to do is encourage other people to explore and not to hammer the same spots over and over again because even relatively experienced spearers can be sort of guilty of just going back to the same old haunts and we just continue to hammer the same ground instead of venturing out and putting the work in to find new ground. Oh, it certainly helps. The more you move around, the more fish you're going to find. And it, yeah, exploring's fun because you never know what you might find. You know what's on that rock you've been to before. You know there's fish there. So yeah, that one's old and passe and a bit boring now. What you then want to know is what's on the rock that could be over there. Some of it, do you, do you, so do you think bag limits help us? Like um, the better that our, you know, our local fisheries are and the more onto it they are with bag limits and restrictions, do you think that that, that helps us to not do this as long as we follow the laws? Uh, again, it's very difficult. Um, it takes a lot of 
very, very hard science to work out correct bag limits. Um, so they can be very helpful. But again, it's like most things, um, unless you adhere to them strictly yourself, they're having something written on a piece of paper isn't going to actually change what people do. It all comes down to the those people and how they look after their resource. James, anything to add to the overfishing? Oh, yeah. Look, I think we have a huge problem with um, technology in that uh, Navionics have got an app out that you can find every single last rock in any place that you go to uh, on the East Coast. So I watched it at home the other day with a, 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 a new friend of mine, I guess, who's a really good spear fisherman. And I just watched him go from my spot, you know, my good spot to good spot to good spot to good spot without any information other than what he was getting off the Navionics app to tell him where every last, you know, high point and rock and all the rest of it was on the reef. So what took me 10 years of, of grinding and sounding and diving and looking around to work out, he could do in a day. Mm-hmm. So that that level of technological um, input to spearfishing and line fishing has really changed the whole game. There aren't secret rocks. There aren't places that no one have found. They're all out there ready for you to just scroll in on your Navionics app and um, and, and drive straight to with your accurate GPS system. So uh, to, to me, that's a huge problem. There aren't any little safe spots anymore for fish uh, unless they're, you know, sanctuary zone or, or whatever like that. So... Um, I think that level of technology is really, really changing the game in, in terms of um, the fish getting hammered. Oh, most certainly. Luckily, it doesn't give them what tides and current and what winds to go and hit those rocks on to get the best performance. But yes, it, it certainly has made it difficult to have um, little out-of-the-way isolated rocks these days. Yeah, and, and to add to that, Trevor, thank God that day the tide was coming exactly the wrong way for all the spots. And I had a chat to him after and he goes, oh, I didn't see anything good at all. I was like, oh, yeah, bummer. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it's the same up here. You'll hit, you'll see him go and check certain rocks that the ledge is facing the wrong way for the current on that day. And they're like, there's just nothing on here, no bait, no nothing. You're like, yeah, it's, it's, it's terrible. You should definitely never go there again for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Number two yes, on chat. Sorry. Number chat. Uh, number two on chat. GPT's reservations about ethical concerns about spearfishing was the impact on non-target species. Fishermen, uh, gendered language too. You said I had a gender. How dare you? <laughs> Fishermen <laughs> practicing spearfishing often target specific species of fish, but it is not uncommon for other fish or marine creatures to be caught unintentionally. This can lead to unintended harm and death of non-target species. That, that, that's rather difficult while spearfishing. I cannot say it is impossible as occasionally there'll be something behind the fish, perhaps yes. in a cave that you can't see. I would like to talk um, about this. But the amount of that happening in spearfishing would be infinitesimal, just so small. But it could happen, yes. Yeah, it, it, it does It does happen, I'm very limited. The odd surgeons ended up on my spear because it got in the way of that mangrove jack or whatever I was was shooting. And that's not to say that fish was wasted. It just wasn't what you're actually uh, targeting. And generally the things that you do hit um, inadvertently are the most abundant things, like that slimy mackerel going past the front of a Spanish mackerel or whatever that you, you, you're trying to shoot. So, look, it's not it's, – it's so far removed from line fishing – 
um, it, it, which is just has a huge amount of unintended bycatch compared to spearfishing. Spearfishing has a minuscule, as Trevor said, it's a minuscule amount of, of um, unintended bycatch, but it can happen. I wanted to talk about there's a there's a, fa- a a fabulous scuba diving location off Brisbane, and there are often manta rays there, and we all know what go with manta rays. It's cobia, and there is a beautiful manta ray swimming around with a shaft embedded in it, and all those scuba divers are seeing that manta ray every dive, and looking at you know, poor animal carrying around one of our unintended, probably you'd hope, um, spearfishing shafts, and it's a it's been a subject of co- uh, conversation all over social media recently, and it, it's, it's not a good look for us. Oh, it's terrible how they judge that poor goth manta ray for how it wants to appear. It's just honestly <laughs> terrible. Yeah, I, I don't think it had chose to have its genitals pierced. Pierced, yes, yes. Yeah. No, look, I mean, yeah. I mean, no doubt someone was trying to shoot a cobia off that manta. Yeah. But it does, It does. I don't know, like for me, I, I looked at it and I was just like, I mean, you know, stuff happens and we, we make mistakes. But jeepers, if that, that was, a, you know, not a good look. And, and it's doing the rounds over and over and over again. And those pictures... They they maintain an evergreen level of virality for people that hate spearfishing. My question True. is why didn't they land the manta ray? <laughs> Have you, s- you could get the spear out, let the manta ray go, and you can say you've landed one. They That's used right. to they used to call them the devil fish. Eh? There's a picture in an old newspaper, I believe, off Rhode Island or New York, and they caught one ten ten meters wide, I believe, and. Uh, it's just crazy. But these days, like, manta rays definitely fall into that, you know, that conservation uh, mindset. You know, scuba divers love them. I mean, they're fantastic when they swim over top of you, so it's the last thing you want to see. But, I mean, sometimes I guess ChatGPT was right. We have an impact on non-target species. Oh, no, definitely. Like everything, it's a minimal impact, but and it also comes down to the individuals who are present there on the day making their decisions. But yes, it and definitely. Do you, you think um, the the main cause of manta ray mortality is spearfishing, or would you point to the amount of nets and all the rest of it that are much more likely to encounter and get tangled up in? Many of them put out by the government to catch sharks. I'm sure you're going to see a lot more dead manta rays in that than you are from uh, spearfishing. And this this ray is still swimming around fine. It's a, it is a good point. I, it's not going to assuage. You know those people's concerns, um, and to an extent, you understand. I, I, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. It's it's one animal in one area at one time, whereas you know when you look at these things done on a more regular occurrence and other forms of fishing, it, it doesn't attract the level of scrutiny. However, you know we've given them a bit of propaganda to use against us, and um, and it's horrible that it did happen. So I mean, you know. But it's going to be used over and over and over again to probably budget us. Mm. So no doubt. Okay, moving on. A nice, it was a real gentle conversation. This one, isn't it? Ethical concerns about spearfishing. Number three, um, habitat destruction. Okay. Uh, the use of spears and other fishing gear can damage coral reefs, seagrass beds, and other vital habitats for marine life. 
certainly can. Um, never intentional, and it does far less damage than other things, but I don't want to be one of those people who goes, oh, yeah, but I only do this much damage. They look at them. Ah. Um, but if you're trying not to, you can certainly do a lot less damage than you do by just having heaps of line out off the back of your boat and anchoring up and dragging anchors across rocks and carry on. Uh, no, it, it's, yeah, it, it, like every other answer, it all depends on the individual in present. Um, sometimes you can destroy things <laughs> unintentionally. Other times a little bit more intentionally. Uh, but it's not something you go out there usually wanting to do. Um, from my experience, and I've only lived a short chunk of lifetime on the different reefs and watching certain reefs get destroyed mostly by anchors and people anchoring in high current and just ripping everything off the rock um, has done a lot more damage to the reefs than spearfishing people. However, I'm not going to lie, it's not uncommon to be swimming across a reef and see a shaft sticking out of a rock that's um, donated there and it will be there forever until it rusts away. But luckily... Most shafts are iron. Um, not everyone can afford the stainless ones, and they'll rust away, not stay there forever. Yeah, my, my point about habitat destruction is Gorgonian fans, and you can tell how much scuba diving activity is going on in an area by the abundance of Gorgonian fans. Um, like where I live, there is no scuba diving for some reason. Nobody goes out and tries to have a crack. And we have Gorgonian fans everywhere. So if I go down to Southwest Rocks just down the road, which is just heavily scuba dive, roundfish rock and stuff like that, the Gorgonian fans have just been absolutely smashed. And they're little stumps of Gorgonian fans that probably people still look at and go, oh, my goodness, that's beautiful. It's like, yeah, that's a quarter of it, you know. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> you are know, very the, Clumsy divers, you know, Gorgonian fans, they don't mix well. Wouldn't be you, though, James. No, I'm, I'm just a clumsy. <laughs> <laughs> I've never got down deep enough to a Gorgonian fan. <laughs> Sometimes they're pretty shallow. That, that, no, they that... are. They're really shallow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we have magnificent ones all over the place, and that's because we have relatively few divers, either spearfishers or, I mean, spearfishers can be responsible for doing that too if they're not careful, but um, um, scuba divers with buoyancy issues t tend to be the worst worst offenders from what I've seen. So, um, yeah, you really do notice a difference in the same sort of um, uh, habitat type, you know, when you're in the same area, but uh, one place that gets dived heavily and one place that doesn't, you do notice a difference that way. Freediving for Spearfishers at howtofreedive.com will help you to extend your breath hold, understand your body better, and put you in a better position when you actually get to go out spearfishing. This program is not for noobs, as this program is for people who have some diving under their belts and understand some basic spearfishing safety, but it's perfect for spearos who want a guided, easy to follow and complete program with videos, a clear process, and a set goal. The five minute freediver works. Get started for free and see if it's for you at howtofreedive.com. There's a tester there. Use the code NOOBSPERO, N-O-O-B-S-P-E-A-R-O to save some money if you do decide to purchase. Check it out at howtofreedive.com. Freediving for spearfishers, a fantastic way to prepare, especially if you've got a big trip coming up. Get to that five-minute mark, and it does translate to your diving at howtofreedive.com. Are you in the market for a new spear gun? Killshot Spear Guns has got... Blue Water Wahoo tuna guns, open track spear guns, 
enclosed track spear guns, rear handle enclosed tracks. Check them out at killshotspearguns.com. Even better, I've got some good news for you. You can save $30 on any Killshot Spear Gun at killshotspearguns.com. Use the code NOOB. If you're in store, just say, Crikey, mate, or say Shrek from the Noob Spiro sent you, and you'll save $30. Ed Martin at killshotspearguns.com. Check them out. When you're starting to spearfish, there are a number of obstacles, and some of them are financial. Doing a freediving course is something that I've always recommended on this podcast. If you can do a freediving course with a Spiro, even better. But some of us can't even afford that. I've got good news for you. Today, you can do a freediving safety course for free at noobspiro.com forward slash Ted. This course is brought to you by Ted Hardy from Immersion Freediving. He's got a passion for helping Spiros to die safer, smarter, and have more fun as well. This freediving safety course is practical and it's free. Check it out at freedivingsafety.com or go to noobspiro.com forward slash Ted and you'll find it there as well. Again, it's a free course just teaching you the basics of freedive spearfishing safety. Check it out, noobspiro.com forward slash Ted. All right, ChatGPT's fourth ethical concern about spearfishing was ecological imbalance. So uh, ChatGPT says, by selectively targeting certain fish species, Spearfishing can cause an ecological imbalance in the marine environment. This can lead to a decrease in biodiversity and negatively impact the food chain. That's a tricky one. Um, (laughs) That's a very tricky one. And (laughs) yes, uh, the broad answer would have to be yes. Uh, The majority of times this is because a specific fish on the reef has been protected, usually over a certain size or protected in general. So that fish can no longer be taken and that particular fish becomes too large and starts eating all the other juvenile fish and then fishermen and spearfishing people and we come in and get the other fish that aren't protected and you end up having an imbalance where you have very large predatory species that are protected, annihilating all of the juvenile species that you want to catch then coming to that reef before they can grow up. So the overall answer would have to be yes, in my opinion, but not specifically because of the spearfishing. Uh, if we were allowed to take those other predatory species, the, it would then balance itself out. But because we cannot, that then causes the imbalance. So it's a yes, but no. Hopefully that's a fair answer. Yeah, look, I'd like to um, – Trevor, I'm sure you've dived the reef, seen how many barramundi cod, how many Maori wrasse there are thanks to protection – and, and whether you like it or don't like it, they just do expand and multiply and take over the niche because they're just not getting in the harvesting pressure, either from line fishing or from spear fishing. And, yeah, you'll see barramundi cod every bombing that you go to. There's a beautiful barrow cod just flighting off into a cave and, and uh, you know, half a dozen Maori wrasse cruising around. Yeah, the ones so. that particularly catch us up, up out up here in Queensland are the red bass and the very large blue spot coral trout. Um, just because they will eat everything that's smaller than them if they can, particularly the blue spot trout. They'll even eat the female of their own species before they get old enough to actually breed, but then they protect the big males, which makes total sense. Total (laughs) sense. Uh, Well, you dive in New South Wales and what do you see? What's the fish that you see every second fish you see? In in particular, blue grouper or brown grouper, and that's the wrasse species that's been protected. Um, they're largely not targeted by line fishing, even though you can catch some line fishing. Um, they're protected from spear fishing, and that's the abundant fish. Yeah. And it and makes its way yeah. across the whole reef. Yeah. 
we, we get it up here where the blue gropers get territorial and actually chase other fish off the rocks. So they can be a bit of a um, bit of a pain in the butt. So we're talking about how legislative interference in the ecosystem, i.e. protecting certain species or slot sizes, has created an imbalance. Um, what about when spearfishing causes it directly, though? Like in, in, in Europe, particularly the Med, they have a shifting baseline phenomena, I think, was observed, you know, on quite a few different species over there, particularly their large grope species. Um, and we're deliberately picking out the biggest of very slow-growing uh, territorial fish. And mm -hmm. over time those fish get smaller and smaller and smaller because we're continuing to take that. I mean, do you guys have comments on that? Oh, no, definitely. Um, like anything, it, extended pressure on a particular resource will cause headaches. Um, I think the old saying when I was kind of learning spearfishing and with some of the older people in the club is the lionfish would, would come in first or the lionfishes would come in first, they'd catch what they could catch, then the spearfishes would come in and find all the fish they couldn't catch, and then eventually there were no fish left. And that was their thinking pattern. And I could see if, like we go back to the first question, if you're not looking at that rock and going, oh, if I shoot, um, for an example up here, if you shoot all of the Maori cod off a rock, a lot of other species will stop coming back and visiting that rock, the more pelagic or ones that move around a bit. So you do have to leave some on that rock. Um, so if you're not taking it on yourself or having the onus to think it through and go, oh, if this rock becomes barren, then there'll be nothing here to attract other fish to it, then, yes, you can destroy it. Yeah, I've got a particular concern with this um, type of management approach with slot sizes, and I think Trevor already alluded to it. If you have giant coral trout and giant red bass totally protected to go and mow everything down, um, if you go out to reefs in the coral sea that are very that have very very low pressure, like Marion Reef off Mackay, you don't see a lot of mid-sized fish. Um, you don't see a lot of average size one to four kilo coral trout. You see 20 kilo coral trout or you see tiny things hiding in caves and 65% of the biomass is sharks because they're the most successful predator that, that, that um, hangs out on those reefs. That's what an unfished reef looks like. And the, the, if you turn your management system towards that to just bias towards large fish um, and you'll end up with just a few large fish, a few very small fish, and the sharks that you've protected in, in between. And you'll go back to what's a what's a more natural state, but it's a very um, unhelpful state Again, for humans who want to harvest fish. By by us taking out, um, taking out um, some of the larger fish, you actually expand the middle range of fish that are more you know, palatable and desirable for, for people. So, uh, yeah, it's a bit controversial, but, like, if you go and dive in a place like Mexico where the sharks have been fairly heavily fished, and and you look at their fish population there, it's incredible. It's just amazing amounts of fish. They have very low bag limits for for recreational fishes. Um, but in a huge amount of huge volume of good eating target fish that you want to take, because they haven't managed it that way, where you have these few large predators and, and lots of small fish and nothing in between. It's very interesting. I mean, nature has equilibrium built into it too. So it's able to respond to pressures to a certain extent, apart from where they reach these critical points. And sometimes human intervention can be a positive thing. We can help to 
make, make sure nature stays in stasis or, or a version of it. Sometimes we interfere and we can have positive and negative effects. I think you've got to acknowledge that there are both. Sure. Number five, ChatGPT's biggest ethical concerns about spearfishing. What a bright and delightful dis- discussion topic, <laughs> by the way, I've picked out. Uh, number five, I poaching. haven't started cutting. <laughs> five, poaching. Illegal fishing, including spearfishing, is a major concern worldwide. Poaching can cause significant harm to marine life and disrupt conservation efforts. Re- recently, I had Francisco Lafredi on the podcast, and he was brilliant for this. He thinks that sport fishing by recreational uh, fishers, is a, a hugely positive thing because of all the money it generates, uh, licensing, etc., paying for better fisheries management, better access, and because of the presence of a bunch of sport fishers on reefs and every fishing place known to man, even on public holidays, um, large international poaching trawlers and stuff can no longer really come in without being reported. Um, they try to do it and sneak it in at night time and so on and turn off their transponders. But, um, yeah, I thought that was a, a positive thing that w- that we contribute to, a, an anti-poaching sort of protection, if you like. I suppose so. Um, yes. Uh, as for on a smaller scale, like poaching and spear fishes going into areas they're not supposed to and taking fish, um, that can happen and isn't ideal and is also very detrimental because then you don't get the flow-on effects from those areas when they're nice and healthy and the fish move from there onto other reefs. So it is good to have those particular areas where you're not meant to go be left as somewhere you don't go. Mm. But, yes, it is also there, good to be out there and there, keep an eye on everything. Yeah, there there definitely is some poaching in spearfishing. And like, much as I'd like to say we're all, you know, Wearing white uh, white frocks and dancing through the fields, um, there is poaching and spearfishing. Um, fish is very expensive. Um, it's worth a lot of money. Lobsters are worth a lot of money. Abalone is worth a lot of money. There are people that are out there actively taking fish for sale as spearfishers and line fishers, and um, commercial fishers also going outside the, uh, the the regulations. Any time there's a lot of money involved in a resource. There's going to be people doing the the wrong things, um, but how much spear fishing contributes to it in the overall scheme of poaching, I'm not sure. But there there is definitely an element of that. Having been a compliance officer in a in a past life, chasing people around, you know, 100 there are people out there doing the wrong wrong thing with it. And I guess what we can all do is is um, try to stamp it out as much as possible because we want to continue this sport. We want to enjoy this sport. And the people that are poaching and selling stuff on the black market are a great detrimental effect on our sport. So, yeah, we need to get rid of it. Love it. Number six, endangered species. Some species of fish targeted by spearfishing may be endangered and (laughs) overfishing can push them closer to extinction. I can't say they may not be, um, but... Most of the time, ones that are genuinely endangered are kept an eye on and we are informed that this is happening and things are put in in in, in place to try and stop it going any further. Uh, occasionally that science is a little bit skew-if, um, but most <laughs> of the time they, they do a good job to keep an eye on that. And again, we have the ability to see the fish we're going after before we try to catch it. 
So we're not going to go down there and go, oh, that's super endangered. It's a rare unicorn. I want to eat it. <laughs> you, you're going to go down and go, that's really unusual and rare for this area. And don't get me wrong, occasionally you do shoot one and then call up people from the museum and go, is this meant to be here? Here is the sample. I'll bring it in and they have a look at it to check certain things. But most of the time we're not going to go out there to try and kill endangered, actually pressured species. Mm. Uh, to, to me, it's more of an ignorance thing. A guy will come up with a black cod or something like that, which is super tame in New South Wales where they're protected and, you know, holding this magnet. Oh, look at this magnificent fish I've just shot. It's like, yeah, yeah. but, <laughs> yeah, it's protected. Yeah. Um, there was one in your video recently, James, followed you around for about 20 minutes, I think. Oh, it was a, it was a huge black cod, yeah, which is um, – this is a vulnerable species in New South Wales. It was, oh, I don't know how many kilos, 60, 70 kilos, something like that. And, yeah, just really wanted to interact with me, coming within a couple of feet, bit my edge gun in yeah. the middle of the gun, bit the sticker on the edge gun, which I I, I relayed to Tony Hugh, and he goes, oh, yeah, thanks, Jeeves. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, it was, um, yeah, it's amazing. But, look, people can make mistakes, you know, they um, especially when they're new to spearfishing and they see something that looks beautiful eating, you know, and they shoot think, it and unfortunately it's protected. Do you think that black cod just wanted to tell its mates it was living on the edge? <laughs> it's probably seen some of my videos of my shooting and it's got, I've got absolutely no danger around this guy. He couldn't hit a barn door at three foot. There's nothing endangered around you. Uh, I probably should <laughs> renege my statement slightly. I would shoot a black cod in Queensland, but they are very, very difficult to get I anywhere have, near I saw the video of you missing that one, Trevor. Oh, that was you very – that hurt. Missed it. Yeah. But that's getting overly excited because they are so hard to find in Queensland. Um, yeah, yeah. In our deeper water, the guys that are doing some really deep drops over the 100 are still catching a lot of black cod. So they are still up here, but in the shallows, they're very rare to see. So I should take it back. I would shoot one unicorn fish. That would be a black cod if I found one <laughs> in Queensland waters where we are actually allowed to. I didn't really mean to out you. No, I think that's perfectly fair, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I am probably a bad example for this one, as I do like to find the more rare, and um, particularly hybrid species, and get them for the museum because there's a few people doing studies on cod hybridization. Um, so I do go out looking for unusual and more odd fish, but not like the last of, uh, more that one that its grandparents had a really good key party somewhere many, many years ago, and now it's like a cross between a tomato cod and a red flush rock cod, that kind of rare fish. I love that feeling underwater when you pull the trigger and you know exactly where that shaft is going. You want something dependable. You want to put that fish that you've been chasing for a lifetime in the boat, in the cooler, in the esky, in the chilli bin, if you're in New Zealand. Why do we call all these things different names? Anyway, today's show sponsor, KillshotSpearGuns.com make awesome wooden timber spear guns a fantastic shooting platform if you've ever shot a big timber gun you know the the reliability that you get from these things there he mostly makes enclosed track spear guns visit him at killshotspearguns.com use the code noob to save $30 on any killshot spear gun Hey guys, not sure how you stay hydrated out on the boats on those long days out on the water, uh, but staying hydrated is absolutely critical to Gourwood's good equalization and looking after your body, making sure you're not doing those awkward one-legged kicks to the surface when, when one leg cramps out on you. 
Go to aqualite.com.au and get yourself a box of sachets. You just simply add them to water. It's less than $1.28 per serve. It's cheaper and cheaper and healthier than any other sports drinks on the market. Aqualite will make a difference in your spearfishing. Check it out at aqualite.com.au. Use the code NoobSparrow to save 10% on any order. Check it out. Aqualite, made in Western Australia. Got a sweet deal for you today, guys. Go to freedivingfamily.com and learn from Adam Stern and a select team of experts on different disciplines. There's Frenzel, Advanced Frenzel, Hands-Free Equalization, Mouthful, Deep Frenzel Equalization, Bifinning Essentials. These are courses that will give you the 1% that will allow you to improve. Use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course at freedivingfamily.com. Again, that's the code SPIRO to get 20% off at freedivingfamily.com. Thanks, Adam and team. Love it. Number seven, human safety. Spearfishing can be a dangerous activity and accidents can happen. Spearfishermen must take precautions to ensure their safety and the safety of others in the water. 110%. It, it is a dangerous sport. True there statement. are huge risks involved. You always look out for yourself and for anyone else who is in the water for you and do your very best to get everybody home at the end of the day. Yes, you nailed it. Yeah, there's not too much needs to be said about that. I mean, we, we spend every sort of podcast talking about or dwelling on one of the risks and how we can kind of mitigate it. So it's a, it is a valid ethical concern. And I, I think every person that chooses this lifestyle should be 100% well aware of it uh, and take steps to mitigate the risk, which is what we do in everything else in life. Um, number eight, and this one's funny. I like it. Cultural appropriation. In some cases, this is, hey, hang on, with three Anglo-Saxon men yeah, here, we, we could get we in trouble. We cannot comment um, on this at we, all. We're going to be real careful. And then we'll go to the yeah, next one. Yeah. <laughs> in some cases, spearfishing can be seen as cultural appropriation, particularly when non-Indigenous people practice traditional methods without respect for cultural traditions and practices. Um, for spearfishing with a spear gun, uh, I don't think this would be an issue. Uh, whereas when you actually go out with the proper locals and see how they do it with the particular tools, um, that their cultural spears and the throwing their cultural spears. throwing, I've tried to do that and the skill that is involved is phenomenal and I have the deepest respect for anyone who can actually do that as efficiently yeah. as the, they do. It's amazing to watch and see. I don't really understand the concept of cultural appropriation. It's, you're but, not. You're clearly not woke enough no. for this. For this. For this number eight. And look, let let me say, my from my perspective, the actual uh, spearfishing itself is not the issue. What the issue is is if you go to a relatively poor country um, and you shoot the absolute crap out of the uh, out of the place and take all their fish home, that they rely to eat because they don't have any other way of putting food on the table. That to me is, is the issue, not the actual practice of spearfishing itself, but um, I can just talk about what I've done in, in Mexico where I've been in remote places in Mexico and the way that we have kept um, a really good relationship with the locals is to come home with these beautiful big fish and put them out on a table and invite the locals to divide them up amongst themselves and just kept barely enough for a feed for ourselves rather than them seeing you, you know, slabbing all these big fish up, 
cryovacking them and taking them off in your esky to, to another place. So that's that's the only way I would see that. Um, not so much a cultural appropriation. I think that's just woke bullshit, you know, to, to, to use terms like that. But it's more about actually taking away their basic food yeah. from what yeah. what they rely on. That is that is where you can cause an issue. And I've seen people do it in Mexico and I've seen the look on the on the on the locals' faces as they watch Estes of fish being wheeled out of their local environment. So I've I've only done anyway, very, I've got back safe. Yeah. I've only done a very tiny amount of travelling for spearfishing and the best part was sharing with the locals where we ended up in Hivoa. It was just seeing how much happier they are and how much more welcoming they are when you can come back and actually share what you're catching with the people who live there, particularly in those smaller nation. I can't think of the correct political term now, but the smaller nations and smaller <laughs> towns. And as you can tell, we are Mate, probably not the to, best You need to, you need to do Woke 101, Trevor. You know, I'll, I'll, send you, I'll send you the online course. In three I, hours, I, you'll, uh, be, you'll be voting Joe Biden. I was unfortunately brought up in pipe bands with very old, very angry Scots people, so I never really got much of a political correctness education. <laughs> the only um, the only diversity training they give is here, boy. Look up me kilt. <laughs> he's had he's he's touched the odd sporran. Yeah. Many, 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 many. <laughs> he loves the sporran. This you, one, you've the definitely sporin. got to get them clean. It's you've got to make sure the sporran's clean. <laughs> um, number nine, invasive species. Spearfishing can contribute to the spread of invasive species if fishermen introduce non-native fish to new environments. I think it's probably the opposite in this case. In a lot mm. of parts of the world, spearfishing and spearfishing people contribute to wiping out invasive species. So I think mm. that one's probably the wrong answer. That, 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 that's where G, chat GPT has completely um, turned it on its head. It's uh, line fishermen using live bait of non-native species that, that introduce them to various places. So they've got their wires crossed completely there. And yeah, if you go and see the lionfish culling programs that they have through the Caribbean, and mm. you know where they're non-native, yeah, the, spear fishermen are doing exactly the opposite. But but it was it's a hundred percent not that is a complete fallacy that one. Well, Bono's catfish in uh, Lake Taupo in New Zealand is another comp they run every year, and they they try and clean the lake out of those. They're an invasive species. Um, well, Spearows are doing good things in different places to uh, combat. Um, that even in Hawaii they have the Roy, which are not native there. You know they they're doing what they can to wipe them out as well. And I mean in Queensland we're banned from spearfishing in free fresh water, but you'd like to see it reintroduced, even if only to target the invasives. You know. Well, yeah. yes and no. It's very tricky with fresh water, particularly in Queensland. All of our um, native Queensland species uh, defence mechanism is to stop moving. So it. it if awesome. you could go into freshwater and you could trust everybody to just shoot those invasive species, it would be absolutely brilliant, but it would be so hard to enforce. Um, and spearing could very quickly wipe out our um, endemic species. But I would love to be able to go and target tilapia because yeah. they're a good yeah. feed and you could yeah. get hundreds of them. And they, they wipe out some of these species, maybe not tilapia um, as such, but they probably compete for resources. But some of the other non-natives um, destroy our endemic species too, as oh, far no, as I'm aware. No, definitely. But, yeah, if there was a way to 
make sure that the people going into the freshwater to go spearfishing wouldn't shoot the native species. What if they just good. What if they just ran a, an annual comp and they made an exception and we were only chasing invasives? Uh, there, there, I believe Duncan Olympus has been in negotiations for quite some years about trying to get a tilapia comp running for spearfishing. I don't know how it's going. I haven't talked to him in a while, but that would be a good way to do it. Yeah. Last... To, to me, I don't, I don't see it as a problem. Yeah, I mean, most of these native fish are in impoundments. Um, they're not in their nat- – you're not in, in rivers, drifting down muddy rivers trying to shoot these native fish. Um most of these places are big impoundments. The fish are either stocked or or heavily stocked or, you know, there, there's a con- contribution from stocking. Um, yeah, why not Why not make it an activity? Just regulate it, same bag limits that you have for, for freshwater fishing. Um, it doesn't really matter the technique that you take the fish out as long as it's sustainable. I was in Taupo. I could have uh, shot this three kilo brown that I swimming around in three to four foot of water around the margins of Taupo. We're in the Waikato swimming with the rainbows that people can perfectly legally catch online. And they're introduced species. They're not native species to New Zealand. Man, I really, really, really wanted to pull a spear gun out and shoot it. And, uh, you know, we didn't. We shot them all with video. But um, it would have been so awesome to do that. I would have been happy to pay licence fees, all the rest of it, and not take any more fish than what a, a recreational line fisherman would have taken from these species. So, And most of these Queensland fish in the freshwater impoundments, you, you, you take one, take it home and cook it up, you're never going to take another one. It's very hard to compete with reef fish, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's so muddy and horrible. <laughs> you're not going to swap a bloke. A tilapia for a coral trout, are you? No, no, no. Well, or a, or a barra. Even was going. <laughs> like if I had the tilapia and they had the coral trout, then <laughs> maybe. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, even look, you want you shoot one freshwater barra from up the back of one of those dams and take it home and eat it. You're not going to go out there and get another one to eat. Yeah, you could really pick it after the floods. You'd pick up the ones that got washed over the weirs. And you'd pick up the saltwater ones and you'd have a bit of each. And it was a vast difference to the ones that have grown up in the salt and the ones that have come out of yeah. the dams. Yeah. Last one from ChatGPT, unethical practices. Some spearfishing practices such as using scuba gear to hunt fish are considered unethical by some conservationists and fishing communities. Possibly. I've never done it on scuba and I believe the main reasons that it was uh, – it stopped being allowed to be done on scuba was because it was very dangerous um, as you couldn't actually get back up to the surface when things went wrong. So I think the main reason they made it illegal to spearfish on scuba was more for safety than for protection of species. However, there are some places in the world and some places even in Australia where you can still do it. Um, But from my experience, scuba diving is super, super noisy, super bulky and makes it really hard to get close to the fish. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Like I went to Louisiana and they couldn't believe it. We go, you're going to free dive spearfish? What the hell? Because <laughs> everyone scuba dives on the on the rigs. Don't take the, my uh, crawfish, daddy <laughs> The guys are unreal. They, they, they're absolute legends over there in Louisiana. The way they looked after us was incredible. Um, but, yeah, they get the scuba diver, the guide, and he locks his arm through the guy's arm and swims him around spearfishing on the rig because they, they don't want to lose them in the dirt, you know, where they don't know whether it's up or down or what have you. But, look, you know, I agree with Trevor. It's a pain in the ass. Like, to scuba dive and spearfish is just 
just takes away from the experience. But I can fully understand these guys that, hey, they want to go down. You know, they had the Hell Divers Rodeo there, where it's nearly all scuba, and they're shooting these crazy fish in 200 foot or, or, or whatever. You know, good luck to them. As long as it's well-regulated, you know, bag limits, you know, that sort of stuff, I, I don't I don't see a problem with it. But I, it's not my cup of tea. I would hate to go and spearfish on scuba. No, it would be terrible. Jeepers, that's a pretty mature response. So many people like you, you hear scuba on on the on the spearfishing communities online, and it's just hate for for scuba spearos. You guys have a, a little bit more of a nuanced perspective on it. I, I think it's good. Like if you're in cold, deep, dark water, and the fish are, are deeper, and you possibly got to wear a you know like a dry suit or that much neoprene, it's ridiculous. Then, uh, and sometimes maybe there is a an application for it. Uh, like maybe super deep stuff as well. There's I watched this guy on YouTube. He takes down like five shafts and all, all shooting from the same spear gun and he just just nailing fish at 160, 180 feet. And, uh, you know, he's filled up his stringer and, you know, one 10-minute dive sort of thing. It's just crazy. Again, I agree with you guys. It's not it's not my bag. I, I like being free. and But I, I'm not going to get down to 160 feet either. Oh, well, just think about that poor guy who now has to hang for a good 45 minutes at about 30 metres. Deco stops. And then hang for a good 20 minutes at about 10 metres. Yeah. It would just be a horrible day. you just hanging there and you're like, well, I got 10 fish, but now I'm going to spend the rest of my day decompressing. Woohoo! Oh, well, you, just, you take chat GPT down with you and you ask it stupid questions on your deco stops. Well, I'm, we're going to have to experiment with the chat DTP. Can you actually choose the information that it gleans from? So it, it could be quite good if you could actually choose where it was getting its information because you could just get it to like, let's hypothetically say, look up every single photograph and post that Tim McDonald has ever made in his lifespan <laughs> and then ask questions just from that information. You could probably get some pretty um, good things <laughs> until Tim tracked you down and got mad and chased you out of the suburb. Unfortunately, ChatGPT is not actually chat to McDonald. It's just drawing from everything. It's and Tim, I wouldn't it's just terrible. have Tim. I'd add like Tim and Bryson and Josh Ball and just the whole crew, just so I have the, just the perfect information, and then I can go from there. I did. I did go down this line of asking who was a good spear fisherman, and um, I, I hope you all read that none of us rate as good spear fishermen. Well, that's good because at least in that it's it's on. Yeah, that's correct. We're not. <laughs> yeah, and then and then Rob Torelli and Ian Puckeridge both come up as 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 the best spear fishermen, um, I, I, which I thought Tim would be very upset about given his level of excellence. Well, it, it all depends. But when it comes to yeah Australian competition spear fishing, they'd definitely be two of the tops. Miles. Yeah, Bryson and Tim for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're they're, they're, in, they're incredibly good good um, spearos, but um, Rob Torelli is still right up there in the in the ranking on ChatGPT. Anyway, mm. now it'd be the question is who's the prettiest spearfishing person? <laughs> These are the things that the public need to know. No, you oh. know it's going to give up. Prettiest male. Or who has the most luxurious beard in the spearfishing community? You see, oh, these well, are the now, questions. Now, that now need you're to getting back to the, you know, you're you're getting there. Who has the most <laughs> luxurious beard in spearfishing? Is that right? Yes, that sounds like a wonderful question. Like I guarantee you, this is what your listeners want to know. Equalising problems can be something that derail you. 
Not today, my friend. Go to freedivingfamily.com. Check out the, either the Friends or Advanced Friends or video or the Mouthful and Deep Friends or Equalization course at freedivingfamily.com. You can use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course at freedivingfamily.com. These courses are put together by Adam Stern and a select team of, of, of legends and to help you overcome different issues and help you perform better. And some of them are extremely relevant for freedive spearing. Check it out at freedivingfamily.com. Use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course. Great news for the people that are not a fan of the tax man. The men in grey suits, the nasty buggers that like to sometimes show up and try and ruin our fun spearfishing life. Ocean Guardian have got some great things for us. They have got the Freedom 7 and the Scuba 7, which also come with a discount when you use the code NoobSpiro. Visit NoobSpiro.com forward slash OG, and that will take you to Ocean Guardian's site. Check out some of their stuff. They've got the best stuff on the market, bar none. It's powered by Shark Shield technology, the world's most effective electrical shark deterrence. They're scientifically proven and tested, backed by multiple published research papers, tested and approved by governments all over the world. They continue to innovate in this space, and the Freedom 7 could be perfect for your spearfishing life. Get 10% off when you use the code NoobSparrow on the Freedom 7. Just head to noobsparrow.com forward slash OG. Check it out now. ChatGPT says, I'm sorry, but as an AI language model, I don't have access to information about the beards of individual spearfishers or any criteria for evaluating the luxuriousness of a beard in the context of spearfishing. Well, you see, the jealousy right there of this AI not being able to yeah. look at luxurious beards is what is going to cause the robotic overthrow. I think that <laughs> I think ChatGPT is gaslighting you. <laughs> I call that gaslighting that response. I'm glad they didn't, you know... Put, put pair us up against each other there, James. Yeah. Well, if it went on colour, you'd, you'd, you'd win hands down. Oh, no, the grey's got something going for it. If it went on the number of calories trapped within the beard, I'd probably give you a crack. <laughs> it would this evening, far out. I've been smashing pate while I'm sitting here chatting with you. Um, cool. Well, I'm going to get Graham involved in a minute. Maybe he's got a couple of questions about chat GPT or even just questions for you fellas. Um before we we were chatting the other night, James, we were talking about you were talking about your recent crap run. Oh, jeez! Give us oh, a bit thanks. of a, a run through thanks. again. It was good. I love hearing other people's crap runs. Oh my god! Oh. Makes me feel better. Okay. Well, Trevor, I, I'll say first up for Trevor. He is a man who's not ashamed to put his failures on YouTube. What's the best He's way to learn? Several, uh, apart from, look, he's an absolutely legendary spear fisherman that takes the most magnificent fish, but at the same time, he's not afraid to, to put his failures up. I wish I could be as gracious as Trevor because my last trip to Tweed Heads, I come back from Noosa, I couldn't dive for six days. I went out, I, I dived Point Reef, swam out there off Snapper Rocks. I shot this beautiful 20 kilo Spanish, whacked a shaft straight in the middle between the fins where I always shoot them straight into the spine, just like, like a tree trunk. as like swam about three, four metres and the shaft fell out of it and the Spanish went off to limp off to die. It the shark's meal. It is terrible. And then the next day I went back to Point Reef and it was nothing. And then I went to Palm Beach Reef and I swam out and it was terrible vis with three to four metres, but it was crazy covered in fish and there were no boats out there, which is very unusual. Because normally there's like 90 boats out there. And then I was attacked. Our Marco Jacks were swimming in and biting the cliff on my weight belt. 
It was just, I was just surrounded by fish. It was crazy. A big Spanish come through, I shot that and lost it. And then a big cobia come through with five manta rays and I shot that and I had that on for a fair while and then it bent the crap out of my shaft and ripped off. Then I lost another Spanish and then I lost another mangrove jack. <laughs> I was like, jeez, I've lost five for five on that dive. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, so I had like, I basically lost eight out of nine fish that I that I shot, either shot or missed. And then I went to Southwest Rocks where it was a very tricky day went with Dodgy and, and Chris and I was at Black Rock and I skunked off, you know, trying to, you know, snake the other guys and get the best spot, swam down on my beautiful Jewfish Ridge and I'd seen these big Queensland groper around and I suddenly see this big golden bronze fish with another one. I was like, that's a big Jewfish. And I was so lacking in confidence after my palmy reef. I swam down on it. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, oh. it's like, you know, when you're 15, you go, do you, you want to have a dance with me? You know, <laughs> like at, at the nightclub, it's like, ah, 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 ah. swim down and just like on video, just kachunka shoots straight over its head. A nice, like 17, 18 kilo Jew. Oh. Swam back over to its another 20 or 30, like 20 plus kilo Jew, and they all pissed off. And I was like, punch yourself in the face all the way to the surface. Oh, <laughs> Don't feel too hard on yourself because it is amazing how much your confidence can get shook after a few hard days. And you, like you said, it was a perfect analogy. It is like you're like 13, 14 again, attempting to talk to girls <laughs> and just having no confidence and just blowing it. It can be terrible when you get into those funks. It, oh, uh, you have my condolences. Thank you. Thank you. I need a hug. <laughs> I would if we were legally allowed because I no longer have a beard, so I have to grow a beard right. again, and then I can hug another bearded man. That's right. There's a band that has very specific rules. That's it. That's it. It's Australian law. Yes. I'm not sure if Graham wants to unmute, but he sent me a couple of DMs here. He says, uh, um, and we lost Husky Bros as well, I think, when our internet dropped out earlier. But um, Graham's asked ChatGPT, what is the best poo story while spearfishing? I and have a new one of those. Oh, all right. We're gonna we'll go there in a sec. And ChatGPT gave a boring response again. I'm sorry, I'm an AI language model. I cannot provide any explicit <laughs> or inappropriate content. So the good news is is that Noob Sparrow's still got a niche here. And then Graham said he recently got his hands on a copy of 99 Sparrow's recipes, uh, that recipe book. Um, he said it's normally unavailable to us in the UK. ChatGPT says best fish recipe is prawn scampi. Tuna, tuna tartar with sesame ginger sauce better, so I, it's clearly broken. Oh, clearly. Um, oh, and oh, okay. So Graham is Husky Bros. That's no, what he said. Yeah. So Husky Bros underscore spearfishing on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, cool. So um, yeah, okay, cool. So yeah, are you gonna? Are you, you're welcome to come join us, Graham. Um, Trevor, but catch us up on this post story. Ah, so last year I was very lucky to get to go to Indo Pacific competition. Um, and unfortunately, they're a swim-off competition, so you can't get out of the water or get back on a boat, and let's just say nature calls occasionally. So I've uh, dropped my lower half of my suit. I've got my top half rolled up, and I'm just getting rid of some unwanted um, calories. And unfortunately, the Tahitian team swum around the corner and swam <laughs> straight into it, and they were possibly a metre behind my bright white ass, just defecating in their face. Uh, they probably think that Australia is now the biggest blow-ins ever. <laughs> Talk Love about it. international Love relations. <laughs> I'm just going shit on the competition. 
Did you not tell them that you were burlying for them? I don't know if they would have taken it that way, but I should have. I should have. I need to learn basic French so I can be like, oh, no, no, sorry, sorry. Oui, oui. oui. Oh, I, got they le I, just, I just shit near you, not on you. <laughs> bon appétit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bon appétit. Oh, Mate, no one, no one can match Tony Hugh when it comes for for shitting oh, no, on various amazing. people. He is, he is amazing. He's he's got form a mile long. Uh, it, yeah, it, it's always good. I've, I haven't been on his boat in many many years, but it's still to the point where you'll cruise past and he'll just be nude, and for no apparent reason, you just wave and he just waves back like absolutely nothing's happening, and he's just. Nude on his boat, <laughs> yeah. in the middle of a big, the night. A big, just... a, a big shout out to Tony. I just caught up with him at the Blue Water Classic, where I managed to go a zero for zero on both days, just to throw in how how good my shooting was still going. But uh, Tony only shot one fish, which made me feel so much better because if he only shot one and I got none, that's not too bad. But yeah, um, yeah he got blown up. He got blown up in a gas explosion. In his in his uh, in his yeah. brother's place in South Africa because he connected the gas bottle up to the wrong pipe and he's going James I was putting the match in the pilot light <laughs> and then I dropped the match when it burned my fingers and boom and it caught the roof on fire he's showing me his safety glasses that are all <laughs> melted from where they went over his nose oh and, and then he demonstrated when he was getting mugged. He had his mobile phone in his hand and, and these two gentlemen were trying to take it from him and one had his hand either side and Tony's got hands like oh, like yeah, hen gorillas, you know, hands, like yeah. he's just he's just a massive barrel of a man and the yeah. other guy tried to pull his shirt over his head and then Tony's demonstrating how he punches you with his mobile phone in the fingers and I was still a little bit sore in that arm. He got a little bit animated. <laughs> but um, yeah, but Tony, he's he's defecated on more people in the Australian spearfishing community than anybody else. <laughs> I feel that's a badge we should have made for him because he's just a phenomenal. He's a phenomenal. I, I've, athlete, I've been phenomenal defecated person. on by Tony Hugh. Right. <laughs> it could be. Yeah, a shirt. I feel that's a badge people should have to earn. I haven't earned it yet, and I'm going to yeah. have to work harder. I, I I have earned it. I remember one particular day at the, at the Blue Water Classic, probably 15 years ago, when Tony just whipped all his gear off, walked past Dodgy and nearly hit him in the head with a helmet, you know, as he, as he swung around down the back of the boat and all the float lines are out and he just sat on the back of the boat looking back at us and it's like, <laughs> just squeeze this complete river of shit out between all the float lines down. Dodgy was just horrified. It was just like, yeah, it's just another, another day for, for me, but it's like, and then an, another female diver coming up and Tony goes, I was, I was really concerned she was going to swallow my bowel movement. <laughs> the just, delightful he, thing yeah. is I don't think he even realises how it comes. No. No, he's brilliant. He just he does. No he just does. He's Tony. absolutely brilliant. That's why I have so much respect for him. Tony is one of the most honest individuals you'll ever meet because he just has no filter, and it's brilliant. It's and he's one of the nicest human beings. He yes. will help anybody out, any stage, yeah. whatever your spear, wherever you are on your spearfishing journey. He will bend over backwards to help you. He's an absolute legend, Tony. Hundred percent. Yeah, but yeah. I never said that. In case anyone's checking, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. And if you didn't say that, he would kill you. Oh, of course. <laughs> I, I, uh, I've got to interview him. I've been meaning to tee it up for a long, long time. I was out at his place oh, maybe a year ago or 80 months ago. So that was before the burn incident. But um, it's, good. it's glad to hear he's 
kicking around and, and still spearing, even though he only got one fish down there. Oh, mate, you need to interview him. He is the absolute most, the biggest character in Australian spearfishing there is, I reckon, yeah. this Tony. Yeah. yeah, an absolute, the nicest guy and um, just incredible. The stories that he's got is just, like, mind-blowing. Like, he, he, he's got 10 episodes for you in him. Oh, infinite. It's, it's very entertaining when he, myself and Tony try and converse because we're both fairly deaf. So it's a lot of missed information and, huh, what, pardon? It's very entertaining. Yeah, he's hilarious. He goes, James, I was talking to your mum. It's like my wife. <laughs> She's going, that fucking Tony here was on the fucking phone. She wants to talk to you. Um, Captain Dan sent me a quick message in about ChatGPT again, just circling back to that. He said, he he said, he, he said, by the way, I'm an old geezer and only peripherally aware of AI, but he, he looked it up and he, he asked it a couple of questions. But, um, he said, uh, what, do you, what do you think about spearfishing in the ocean? And ChatGPT said, I'm an AI language model, so I don't have any personal opinions or beliefs. However, spearfishing in the ocean is a traditional fishing method that's been used for centuries. Uh, while some people see spearfishing as a sustainable and eco-friendly fishing method, others argue that it can be harmful to marine ecosystems if not practiced responsibly. So, I mean, that's a fairly balanced answer. Um, so... Maybe it's showing promise. We'll see where it goes in the future. I just hope, uh, you know, new guys aren't asking it for how to do a breather, particularly if they're getting told to hyperventilate. I'm wondering if people type in, what's the best spot on the X Ooh. area to go spearfishing? So, there you go. Type it in there. Go. Oh, I can't type. Uh... What, is the, what, is the, what is the best? Do you want me to know? Hey buddy, how's your breath hold going? Really? You struggling? I do too sometimes, and that's why I've got something perfect for you today. I think you'll agree with me when I say that maintaining or even increasing your breath hold is a struggle, especially when you're not slaying fish every week. But what if I told you there was a way to train yourself easily and do it safely? Freediving for spearfishers at howtofreedive.com will help you to extend your breath hold understand your body better and put you in a better position when you actually get to go out spearfishing. This program, Freediving for Spearfishers, is not for noobs. Uh, it's for people who have some diving under their belts and understand basic spearfishing safety. But it's perfect for spearos who want a guided, easy to follow and complete program with videos, a clear process and a set goal. The goal is a five minute static. And check it out, Freediving for Spearfishers at howtofreedive.com. You can get started for free, do the taster, and if you do decide to purchase, use the code NOOBSPERO, N-O-O-B-S-P-E-A-R-O to save some money if you do decide to purchase. Check it out at howtofreedive.com. If your buddy had a blackout on your next spearfishing trip, think, what would the outcome of that be? Do you know how to revive someone from a blackout? Would you even be in a position to do something about it? Or would you be diving, chasing after a fish as your buddy sinks down to the bottom of the ocean? Do you know where most blackouts happen? Do you know what you can do to minimize your risk of having a blackout? My name is Ted Hardy, and I'm the founder of freedivingsafety.com. In my free online course, you will learn the truth about shallow water blackout, the myth of, I don't push myself, I know my limits, I'm in tune with my body, how to minimize your risk of having a blackout, and most importantly, how to save your buddy's life if they have one. Visit freedivingsafety.com to sign up for your free course today. 
dive safe out there. It's just not even that hard. What well, what's coming up for you on the old uh, YouTube channel? You, you told me you had a new puppy, James. So you flat out training that. Have you got oh, videos yeah. in the pipeline? Cyclone Hazel. Oh man, I've got to actually land something. I can't do a you know like a nine fish in a row loss video, even though I have them all on on video. So uh, yeah, I, I, I have been it. pumping out quite a few uh, recently. Um, I don't know what goes on with the algorithm with you, YouTube, but uh, my feed that I get does, doesn't seem to feed me the people that I want to see spear fishing. Yeah, the, unfortunately, you've got to play the game hard on YouTube to get them to promote any of your stuff. And it also depends on advertising revenue that YouTube is making off your stuff, how much yeah. they'll promote it. So so you almost have to have ads in there and have it optimised for ads in terms of the length of the videos, the placement of the ads, the type of the ads. And, and if the, you're not monetized, they will not promote you at all. Yeah, well, yeah, they're not getting ad revenue from you, so... Yeah, I recently did get a statistic I was very interested in. I've now had three percent female viewers. Yeah, yeah, spearfishing skews like that. I remember ages ago, some woman reached out to me, and they were, you know, you're not, you don't have enough women on the podcast, and and you know, for a while there, I, I really made an effort to proactively go after cool women that were creating like communities for, you know, for female spearos, and there are a few of them that they're getting around, but they're few and far between. It is becoming more widely adopted by women, but it's not as. And, you know, that's why the the gender skew of the podcast guests tend to tilt that way as well because that's how statistically we're probably represented. Um, but, yeah, it is a remarkably male-oriented sport still. But, you know, women can do it just as good. It's just it's just the way it's been taken up, I think. I'd go as far as saying slightly better. Yes, Every, I agree with I agree every with female Trevor. I've ever taught spearfishing to has picked it up quicker and hunts better than most of the males because there's all that testosterone of I must be better than you is thrown out yeah. the window and it's all just about going out diving and getting that fish. They're more gentle. They're more gentle on the fish. You know that 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 gentle the gentle approach on the fish. They don't put out this psycho vibe. I'm going to kill you. And um, man, they can. They, there's no you know women can breath hold just as well as men. It's one of those sports where, where absolutely women can be um, uh, absolutely equal to, to, to men. So some women are way better. Like I've dived with, with women that just bleed me in the dirt, you know, like they're oh, yeah. so much better divers than I am. Yeah. And I, others, I, you know, still coming up the ranks. So. Yeah. At Interpacks last year, there was a young lady on the New Zealand team called Alex, and I was so glad that she was not on their men's team because she was incredible. Absolutely incredible diver. Terrifyingly good. She's got a bit of a rep and she's still only really young too. Oh, Got to get her on the terrifyingly show. Terrifyingly good. Yeah, yeah. I think it's one of those things that um, it would be great to see um, um, more women. There's way, way more women now in the sport than there were 20 years ago. Hmm. Um, you know, 20 years ago there was like literally three or four women that you could point to that, that dive, usually like daughters of divers or whatever like that, you know. But now there's 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 way more, and um, yeah, it's a good thing. Trev, you got any videos coming up? I have footage. Uh, whether I edit it <laughs> together, um, I should. Yeah, I should do a lot more. The, the footage is there now. I was very quiet for the last couple of years, having to do um, more family related duties. Uh, but I have the time now to dive again. So hopefully, I'll start getting that content out and putting it forward. Unfortunately, it's just a lot of 
trout footage and trying to find interesting ways to use it is where I struggle. Uh, Don't tell 15, yourself short, Trevor. 15 trout getting taken. smashed in the face and then just like <laughs> literally like two-second clips just smashed together. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's hard. I don't want to make the same generic clips you see everywhere. Um, there's so much awesome content out there nowadays. It, unless I'm really motivated or... The word where you get inspired. Thank you. Inspired by something to make a clip. It yeah, I, I just gotta listen to the New Spirit podcast more, Trev. That's what you gotta do, buddy. Oh, I do. I do lots of long drives, so I I listen to it on that. Usually between here and an area that oh, we'll just use its um code name. Between here and Happy Rock. Ah. Um, and those kind of areas. James often heads up towards Happy Rock as well, and he bypasses my house completely. He never offers me a ride. <laughs> <laughs> that seems fair. That is not true. <laughs> yes. yes. Well, we'll, we'll be going up. Um, anyone, um, I'll give a shout-out. Albie's organising a, a liverboard on the Carlo 2 or 3, it's called, out of Yapoon in July. Any of you avid divers that want to come and dive with some complete lunatics, um, yeah, we'll be there mid, yeah, eighth to the fifteenth of July. Nice, good time of year too. Is, the Carlo too. Yeah, is Albie putting that trip together? He has. He has. Yeah, he's got it together. Dodgy, Dodgy is coming along, so you can meet it, my sane, you know, spearfishing partner, and uh, yeah, some great people. It was an awesome trip. Heading out to the northern Swains, not the southern Swains, so it's a little bit different diving in 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 uh, not. But it's like Trevor said, it is trout annihilation. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's no, just planes. It's, it's not deep diving. It's collection. Nice, yeah, nice calm diving, protected, protected water, clear water, not too many sharks. Is there you any blue water idiot. stuff out around there? You do what, sorry? Do you do any, will you guys do any blue water stuff out there? Not sure if we will or not. Um, yeah, it's probably more going to be bread and butter reef fishing, you know, just you know, hacking it away. So, uh, yeah, anyway, get in touch with Albie, Albie Cook um, from the Central Coast Sea Lions. So um, he's, he's putting that trip together. Cool. All right, fellas, anything you feel like we you wanted to cover off of chat GPT we missed? Um, the only thing I, I, I want to say is, like, um, I really think that Google has still got the edge if you want to get your spearfishing information, you're going to get way, way more um, information and links and, and good places to go to from Google at this stage rather than chat GPT. Trevor just asked it, what are the most, what are the specific spots to go to in, you know, one area of our coastline? And it, it didn't get super granular, but it did highlight four major areas and sort of what you could go looking for in those areas. And it was for a, for a fairly new learning model, it's only going to get more nuanced from here and more specific. So it's quite scary. It's specifically mentioned a number of number of areas that would definitely be worth investigating. And um, yeah, I guess it's. I mean, I don't know. Until it has access to all of the information, you you would hope it doesn't get access to the specific information in spots. Then uh, yeah. There's something about learning the stuff that, you know, even if you learn how to use Navionics properly, there's still a lot of skill in that and you still got to know what you're looking for and it still takes time to learn. Not as much as it did, you know, 20 years ago, James, when you did it all the hard way. 
but there's still a learning curve to it. You can't just, um, you know, grab it all off Google. Yeah, the, the internet's a wonderful resource. Um, you, once you kind of, you got to take everything with a grain of salt on the internet. Um, but personally, I still find the best way to learn is from other divers through clubs and competitions and those kind of things. Like the amount that I learned just by getting to watch the other teams at the Interpacks was phenomenal. Um, it's, yeah, it's amazing that you can learn a lot more that way than you'll ever learn off watching videos on the internet. Like I know there's one guy that made a video telling you that Platinum Snapper were amazing and that's just <laughs> bollocks. Like, the internet isn't necessarily always going to give you the best information. <laughs> did you see that one, James? What was the Platinum Snapper one? He did a knockoff of Daniel Mann's video. Uh, Daniel Mann's oh. was, I think it was Moses Perch, the most underrated fish on the on the reef. And then Trevor come back and said, another person has incorrectly told you that this species is good. But he hasn't right. heard of the platinum snapper, which is your your, your mother in law fish, essentially. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So you can't trust everything you see on the internet. Take that from no, someone no. that puts things on the internet you shouldn't necessarily trust all the time. No, no, no. James, yeah. it's always good to see those abalone behind you, mate. And um, yep. in, in in a distant second place, it's good to see you as well. But uh, jeepers, they're huge, aren't they? Those California suckers. Now that, my friend, is an abalone. Yeah. I wonder if they, all, they will ever get their abalone fishery back. Unfortunately, probably not. Mm. Anyway, yeah, well, it's great to catch up with you guys. Lovely to meet you, Trevor, and as in across well. the video. I'm a huge fan of yours. Oh, Love you. your videos. Please, everybody, epic day at Red Rock. Do not miss watching epic day at Red Rock. It is the number one Red Emperor uh, video you'll ever see, plus oh, your mangrove you. jacks and no, no. Bangalese and we, we got all the very lucky long nose emperor and yeah, very lucky. Graham from Husky Bros Spearfishing said, "Thanks for having us. Excellent podcast, keeping our froth alive. Proper cold and terrible viz right now in the UK. Looking forward to summer. So thanks for coming, Graham. Great to have you in with us, Trevor James. Our pleasure as always. You guys are always welcome here. Anytime you have something you want to talk about in the world of spearfishing." Um, go follow Trevor on YouTube, Submerged Psycho Spearfishing, and James is the aptly named Catch It, Grow It, Cook It. Subscribe to these guys. They make really cool and really authentic and uh, definitely with their own brand of humor videos, and they are just, just cool down-to-earth guys that, that love the spearfishing lifestyle as much as I do. So all good, guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Hey guys, wide-ranging discussion today. Uh, as usual, Trevor and James, two gentlemen of the sport, check out their YouTube channels. Catch it, grow it, cook it for James and Submerged Psycho Spearfishing for Trevor. Uh, absolute legends. Gentlemen, love them. Can't, can't get enough of them. They're coming back on the podcast for sure. Hey, next week it's a crazy interview. We are getting right out of the, the spearfishing hemisphere almost. It's Glenn Sadler. He's a, an ocean-going, like ocean-crossing rower, uh, and he does it in these multi-man boats, and he has a vision to run trips along coastlines where you dive out of these rowboats as you row. Uh, so, like, you might row, you know, like, let's just say the east coast of Australia over, you know, three or four weeks, 
And during that time, you spear and catch your own food as well as eating the rations on board. Glenn's an expert. He's done this several times now. And uh, we have a fantastic chat about his experiences doing it. It's really, really cool chat. I really enjoyed Glenn, a.k.a. Snowy. So come back next week, rowing, spearing and pooing in a bucket mid-Atlantic with Glenn Sadler. And uh, guys, there's a couple of fantastic interviews coming up this month. So thanks for being with us. And if you love the show, consider becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com forward slash noobsbureau and jump up there. Join 45 other legends helping to power the Noobsbureau podcast and put fuel on the outboard. For this week, that's it for me. Thanks for listening. Much love, Shrek. Over and out. My partner and I are getting into spearfishing and didn't know where to start. The staff here at the Adreno Woolongaver store were great and spent a lot of time with us helping work out exactly what we needed. We'll be going back whenever I need more gear. That review from Lachlan. Buy your spearfishing gear at Adreno. They've got huge spearfishing mega stores all over the country or you can shop online at adreno.com.au. Even better, sweeten it up with the code NoobSpiro. Save yourself $20 on every purchase over $200. Check it out, adreno.com.au. Absolutely mint customer service. Specialty spearfishing equipment, elite spear gun performance components, unforgettable reliability. You want to find out where to buy this? Punchaneptonics.com and shop at the best US spearfishing store, neptonics.com. Free shipping to the lower 48 when you spend over 199 and you can use the code NOOB10 to save 10%. This is your chance to save DOSH, buy deadly good gear, and experience A-grade customer service. Will you shop with the best? Visit naptonics.com. Use the code NOOB10 to start shooting 35-pound muttons tomorrow. Actual performance may differ from advertisement. Please refer to terms and conditions to see if you're eligible to be a legend like Shrek. This advertisement was not even endorsed by Jerry and the team at Naptonics. Hoorah and God bless America.